my family and I recently watched a documentary. Yes, it's fun to hang out with us. We recently watched a documentary called Payback, which explored the, um, the idea, the concept of paying back debt. Is it possible, is it possible to pay back your debt to society when you have caused damage? And in exploring that question, it, it, the documentary looked at really three main stories. The first story was, uh, took a look at a very remote place in Albania where they still live by this ancient code where if someone hurts or kills someone from your family, then you could kill that person the moment they leave their property. So these two families were interviewed. One guy had shot this, not, but not killed, shot but not killed this other guy for moving his property line. And so now the guy who shot him was kind of a prisoner in his own home. Now for the rest of his life, he could not leave his home or his yard or the guys from the other man's family would kill him. And, and so both families, as, as they were interviewing both of these families, the ones who wanted to kill him and the ones who were hiding in their house, they're both miserable. The second story was the, the huge BP oil spill in the Gulf a few years ago. And um, even though BP paid back, they made a payout to pay back their debt to society, they made a payout of $30 billion. Uh, many figure that the damage was really closer to $300 billion, or better yet, it was the kind of damage that you could never put a price tag on. The third story was a man who was in prison here in Canada for killing a girl. Um, but, but as they were interviewing him and as they were interviewing the parents of the girl, it was very clear that no amount of time served, no amount of correction could take away the pain that he had felt for what he had done. And no, um, it, it could not take away the pain, his, paying his debt to society could not take away the pain that those parents felt. So what was the whole point? The whole point, and it ends kind of, you know, depressing. Because the whole point is this. There is no such thing as paying back your debt to society. All right? It, 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 it does not work. You, you, we, you and I cannot pay back our debt to society. We cannot fix the things that we have broken. We cannot make right the things we have wrong. There, there's no way to truly undo the damage we have done when we've caused harm. We cannot pay back our debt to society. We cannot pay back our debt to God. We need something else. We need someone else. So did the children of Israel. We just recapped their whole uh, story from the beginning where their very first parents damaged their relationship with God and really damaged our relationship with God, and, and heard God promise that he and he alone was going to provide this way for that damage to be undone, for that price to be paid, because nothing else could do that. And then we saw that promise being carried all the way through, up till now, where they're now, as a nation of people, as promised, uh, moving through the wilderness, and God is meeting with them at this tabernacle. 
And then Leviticus 16, which is what you want to get opened up to, and that's going to be on page 113 in those Bibles. In Leviticus 16 now, it tells us of this huge event. All right, Once a year on the 10th day of the 7th month of the Jewish calendar, they were to observe the Day of Atonement. In Hebrew, Yom Kippur. Day of covering. Covering of sins. Atonement, making us at one with God. This, this once a year Day of Atonement would cleanse the children of Israel and the tabernacle from any and all pollution from sin. And if you want to glance ahead to verses 29 to 30, those are the verses that give the purpose. Especially look at verse 30 there. It says, and if we can just wrap it up, this is the purpose. Because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then, before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. Now, that's once a year. They had daily sacrifices for their sins too. But once a year on the Day of Atonement, God would not only cleanse the children of Israel from all their sins, but He was also going to cleanse the things that cleanse them from their sins. If this, this is a simple way for me to help understand this. Okay, It's kind of like you have a filter, an air filter in your furnace, right? And on a daily basis, that air filter cleans the air, right? But every now and then, you have to take the air filter out and clean it so that it can continue cleaning the air. So that's what you have on the Day of Atonement. It's a cleansing of the sins, but it's also a cleansing of the tabernacle, the altar, the, the whole place. It's a cleansing of everything. The Day of Atonement was a day of cleansing of everything, and it even cleansed the things that cleansed. It was also a day of teaching. On this day, God was showing the people his people, how they could be made right with him. And if you take anything home today, take that home. This, God is showing some incredible love here. Unlike all the other religions of the world, then and now, God wasn't leaving his people guessing as to how they could be made right with him. Any other religion but Christianity today, people are guessing, how can I be made right with God? God was not leaving his people guessing how they could be made right with him. He was showing them how. He was telling them how. And he was showing them how. Now, the first five books of the Bible, and I know my catechism class, we're learning those, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are actually one book. The only reason we divided them into five is because the scroll would be way too big for anyone to carry. So, they're one book, the Torah, written by Moses. Now, in Hebrew poetry, the most important part is the part that comes in the middle. And so it is with the Torah. And, and the most important chapter of the Torah, the, the, the highlight of the entire thing, those five books, the, 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 the chapter that comes right smack in the middle, is Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. I'm guessing today we as Christians, you know, we don't consider the book of Leviticus as that first one that we open up. Maybe 
we don't even cons- we've never really thought about or considered as one of the more important books of the Bible that we should be studying. But the book of Leviticus was the first book of the Bible that Jewish children began studying in Jesus' day. Why? Because it pointed them ahead to their coming Savior. Because it points to Jesus. So let's open up to Leviticus 16 and let's dig into it. Verses 1 and 2. Leviticus 16, page 113 in your Bibles. Verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he will die because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. Aaron's sons died because they did not approach God in the right way. We dare not approach God on our terms because he is holy and we are not. Sinful humankind cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. That veil, that curtain was there as a visible reminder of that fact. We can only approach God on his terms, which he's showing us here, which he is now going to tell us how it works. Verses 3 and 4. This is how Aaron, remember Aaron, he's the brother of Moses, he's the high priest. This is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area. With a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. So the high priest would not dress in all those fancy things we saw pictured there on the Day of Atonement that he usually wore for his priestly duties. On this day, he simply wore the simple white, nothing else. Why? A couple reasons. White means purity. White means purity. Um, No blemishes. And, And that's the only way that we can approach God. No blemishes. But another reason... um, this is humility. This is what the ordinary priests and Levites would wear as they conducted their ministry. So another message coming out of this is that sin puts us all, high priests, priests, people, sin puts us all on the same level. Humility. Reading on, verses 5 and 6. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Okay, so just keeping count here, the bull is for the sin of Aaron and his household. That means the priests. His household, the house of Levi, that's the priests. So the, the bull, he's got a bull for the sin of the priests. He's got two goats, which is actually one sacrifice for the sins of the people. And then there's the ram as a burnt offering for both. So those are going to be the sacrifices on the day. Verses 7 to 10. Follow along. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a 
scapegoat. So these two goats were to be spotless and they were to be as identical as possible. And lots were cast then to decide which would be which. Okay, because they were going to be used differently. One of them would be, a, would be sacrificed as a sin offering for the Lord. And the other one is going to be released into the desert alive as a scapegoat. The, word, the Hebrew word is azazel, the goat of removal, the goat of taking away. So lots would be cast to decide which was which. The high priest would stand before the entrance of the, the tent of meeting with a goat on each side of him. And he, he took two gold pieces, one that would say for the Lord, and one would say Azazel. And he cast them into an urn, shook it up, and then reached in with both hands and grabbed them out and placed one on the head of each goat. And that decided which one would be which. All right. Then going on, 11 to 13. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. And he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover before the testimony so that he will not die. So after slaughtering the bull for his sins and the sins of his family, his, the other priests, Aaron took a censer of live coals in his right hand, and in his left hand he took a platter of sweet incense. And then while everyone was praying, for the first time in a year, he would open the veil and enter the Holy of Holies the most holy place. And then he would, he, as he stood before the Ark of the Covenant, he set that censer of coals on the ground and then with his left hand, he poured the incense over those burning coals and a fragrant smoke filled the room which protected him from the holiness of God. And, and also prevented uh, the chance of anyone who is outside when the curtain's being opened from catching a glimpse of the mercy seat of God, which, were they, which they were not allowed to do. All right, reading on, 14 to 17. He is to take some of the bull's blood and with his finger sprinkle it on front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. So, so the high priest now, after he had got the incense going, he'd go back out and he'd get the blood of the bull, which is now being prepared for him, 
and he'd, and he'd walk back in that most holy place and with his finger, he'd sprinkle it once on the Ark of the Covenant and then seven times for completeness on the ground in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? The whole tabernacle had been stained by their sins. Then he goes out, he gets the blood of the goat for the sins of the people and he does the same thing with it. Once on the Ark, seven times on the ground. Okay? Then, he's going to take the blood of both of them. Verses 18 and 19. Then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. So he walks all the way back out to that brazen altar out front and makes atonement for that. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on all the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the uncleanness of the Israelites. All right? So he took the blood of both the bull and the goat, took it outside of that altar, and he purified it. He purified that altar from its uncleanness. So he, he, even the things that cleansed sins had to be cleansed. Even these objects had to be purified so that they could continue to, do, to serve their purpose. So do you see Jesus in all of this yet? Because this is all about Jesus. L- let me just list off some of the things that this teaches us about Jesus. First of all, that curtain, that, that veil, that, that no one could pass through, that no one could cross through to enter the presence of God. That was a visible reminder that our sins have put a barrier between us and God that no one can cross, that that we have all failed God, that none of us are worthy to walk into the presence of a holy God. We have all failed. Okay, And not just us. I think there's an important message that comes out of there. The priests and the people, we've all failed. So uh, priests and people... Church people, non-church people, religious people, non-religious people, good people, bad people, all human beings, we've all failed. We're, we're, when, when sin comes in the picture, it is a, a level playing field. Sin is the great equalizer with all of us. All of us have failed God. We do not, no one, none of us have a way to pay the debt for the damage that we've caused. We can't, it doesn't matter what you do, we have no way to pay back that debt for society. We, we have no way to approach God on our own terms. The only, and here's the big one that comes out of this, the only way to approach God is through shed blood. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The only way that debt can be paid is, is through shed blood. Okay, it, it, it can't happen it can't happen by getting revenge. It can't happen by, it can't happen by settling uh, with a monetary payment. It can't happen by jail time served. It, it, it can't happen by um, doing a bunch of good stuff you know, to make up for the bad stuff. It, it ain't going to happen by becoming a good person now. It, it isn't going to happen by hiding it. You know, Adam and Eve tried that. It doesn't have, nothing we can do, no skill we have, no um, little thing that we will use to do. No, there is no way that we can do it. 
It only happens by blood being shed, a sacrifice being made for us. And we can't pay for it by shedding our own blood either. You know, we'd love to do that. We'd love to have some part to play. Well, you know, maybe if I can hurt myself or something that, you know, I'll help God. But we can't do it by our own blood. It had to be a substitute. That idea comes across so clearly. It had to be a substitute, a holy, innocent substitute who didn't deserve it. One whose blood was brought before the very throne of God. One who stands between us and God as a high priest, a mediator between us and God. Do you see Jesus yet? Because he's there in the blood. He's there in the high priest. He's there in the goat. The only way that our sins can be forgiven, the only way that, that, that debt of our sin can be paid is Jesus. It's Jesus. God doesn't leave us guessing how we can be made right with Him. Jesus is our scapegoat. We, we still use that word today. Everyone uses that word today to describe someone who takes the blame for our wrongdoing. But that word comes all the way back from Leviticus 16, thousands of years ago. Listen, uh, read along with me, verses 20 to 22, follow along. When Aaron had finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. That goat was not to find its way back. Okay, I don't think this was a job that a lot of people lined up for. I mean, because if that goat was loaded down with all of the transgressions and iniquities and sins of your neighbors, would you want to be the one leading that thing out in the desert? Well, you would get cleansed later. It, it says, if you read to the end of the chapter, it talks, you would get cleansed later. But um, if, if that's your job, if you're the man appointed for that task, you better do your job. Because your friends don't want to see that goat wandering around camp three days later. It was never to be seen again. Now, there is a, Jew, a Jewish tradition, if you look later on in the, in the writings about how they carry this out, according to the Jewish tradition, they would tie a red cord or red cloth to the horns of the goat. Red symbolizing blood and punishment. So there'd be a red cloth on its head. Now, in Scripture, we see that the priest um, confessed over it and placed on the head all the sins of the people. Confessed all the sins of the people and placed them on the head of the goat. Hear what that's saying. See, they thought communally. We tend to think individually. We tend to think in terms of my guilt before God. 
and, and they thought individually too, but most important, more important for them would have been community. What do we, what are we guilty of as a people of God that need to be placed on the head of this goat? And I wonder what it'd be like for us as a church to capture a little sense of that. What are we guilty of? What do we as a community, what do we as a church, what do we as a people need to confess before God? Because sin doesn't just affect us as individuals. Sin affects all of us. And when there's sin individually in the community there's sin in the community and i think we can learn from this text and from what god was teaching his people that it isn't just about me taking care of my sin and 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 me being right with jesus there's a community of people around me what do we need to confess before god so all of, the, all of the sins of the people then were placed on the head of that goat. Now this, okay, Day of Atonement, we're getting to the end now. Priest is putting both hands and all the sins of the people were placed on the head of the goat. This was a sacred, powerful moment. Could have heard a pin drop. This was a powerful moment when for the next year your sins are being atoned for. They're being covered. They're being removed. They're being covered and forgiven by God because He is a gracious and merciful God. This is a gift from our loving Lord. And, and then the man appointed for the task would lead that goat out into the desert, would lead that scapegoat and release it alive out into the desert. Now, the word for scapegoat in Hebrew is azazel. There's a lot of study about exactly what it means, but it's pretty clear from Hebrew that it's goat of removal. Azazel, the goat of removal, the goat of taking away. So the man appointed to the task would Azazel, the Azazel goat. Okay, He would take away the goat of taking away. And so that goat was taken away outside the camp, out of sight, out there with your sins, never to be seen again. What is God teaching us about forgiveness? When God forgives sins, when God removes sins, He does so completely. They are gone forever. They are gone for good. Now, turn to John chapter 19, please. John chapter 19, it's on page 1072. 1072. John chapter 19, page 1072. What's happening here? I'll give you a minute. What's happening? Jesus is on trial before Pontius Pilate. Okay, listen carefully. Jesus, his own people, have said that he is guilty. They've taken him to Pontius Pilate. They said that he is guilty and that he needs to be killed 
for that guilt. So his own people have taken what they call guilt and placed it on Jesus. Okay, then look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Okay, so if you have a crown of thorns on your head, what, cover is gonna, what color is going to start covering your head? Red. Then they start shouting something at Jesus. And as we know, they start, they're going to start shouting crucify him. But before that, they shout something else. Look at verse 15. First column, next page. Verse 15. Look what they're shouting. But they shouted, Take him away. Take him away. Now, if you're Jewish, and you've observed the Day of Atonement every day of your life, there's going to be a connection here, isn't there? Because Jesus, who is obviously innocent, whom these people have placed their guilt on, even though he's innocent, whose head is covered in red, not from a cloth, but from the blood coming from his crown of thorns, is right in the middle of a crowd of people who are shouting at him, take him away. Take him away. Azazel. Azazel. And then he's led outside of the camp as he's carrying the sins of the people. Jesus is our scapegoat. I've always wondered, you know, why there were two goats for one sacrifice. Because you got the bull for the sins of the priest, you got the ram for the burnt offering, but you have two goats, identical goats, for the sin of the people. And both of them show various aspects of what Jesus did with his sacrifice. But why two? Why two? And then this thought hit me. One dies and one lives. But now if you're making a sacrifice with a goat, you can't have the goat, you can't sacrifice the goat and make it die and then bring it back to life again, now can you? But if you have two goats, one dies and one lives. And they both symbolize Jesus. One person who died and lived. Okay, now, back to the Old Testament. Back to the Old Testament. You are out in the wilderness. You're out in the wilderness and you're observing the Day of Atonement. Are you getting tired? Because you're going to have to celebrate the Day of Atonement again next year and the year after. Because people keep sinning. So you're going to have to do the whole thing again and again and again. So you're getting tired and you're thinking, well, couldn't we just do this whole thing once and for all? Man, you know what that would be? That would be good news. Friends, that's what all of this is pointing toward. All of this, Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement, is pointing toward a Savior who is coming to give us rest from all this. So we don't have to keep doing it again and again. Look at these passages from Hebrews. This explains what all of this meant. Hebrews 10, 1-4. The law 
that's what we're reading today, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Then verses 11 to 14. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And chapter 7, verse 27. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And finally for us, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. When Jesus died, that temple curtain tore in two. The barrier between us is gone. Jesus carried our sins away for good. The goat is out of the camp. So friends, when someone, when someone reminds you of your past, when, when someone tries holding your failures against you, here's what you can tell them. I don't see any goat in here. I don't see any goat in here. All right, when you are being burdened down with your guilt, when you are feeling shamed, when you're struggling from Uh, decisions and failures you've made in the past when religion is beating you down, when when you're heaped up with these burdens of guilt, I have a message for you. That goat isn't here anymore. It's gone. It's out there with your sins. Never to be seen again. Out of sight. You are free. You're free. So send that goat out of your life because that goat is gone for good. Okay? God knows about the, he, he, God knows about the addiction. He knows about the, the abortion. He knows about the divorce. He knows about it all. But that goat isn't here anymore. That, that goat is gone. It, it's out there with our sins. Gone for good. So send that goat out of your lives because it isn't here and it isn't coming back. And, and here's this. We need to be We need to be a community of people who, when we struggle and fall, can help each other up and say, I don't see any going here. Because Jesus, the ultimate scapegoat, took it all and nailed it to a cross.
so that we could be free. So that we could rest now. Maybe you are, maybe you are, are just burnt out. Maybe you've been carrying these really heavy burdens. Maybe, maybe you've been having some rough days. Maybe, you know, maybe you've been dealing with addictions or, or with unhealthful thoughts that, that have been making life difficult with you. Your high priest is telling you, you can rest now. I've done it for you. You can rest now. Two years ago, 2011, the Day of Atonement, this year the Day of Atonement was September 14th. It changes on our calendar. Two years ago, 2011, the Day of Atonement fell on October 8th, which also happened to be the day that my father was called home to his eternal rest with Jesus. Almost as if that was God's way of saying to him, you can rest now. And I know because of what Christ has done that that day on our calendar isn't significant anymore. And yet, because it did fall there, it was, I felt as if it was God's little way of telling me, you can rest now. And telling us, you can rest now. Because friends, in all of this, in all of this, Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement, in all of this, which is all pointing to Jesus, God is saying to all of us, I have made that payment of debt that nothing else could make. I have done what no one else can do. I've done what you cannot do. So stop trying to do it. I've done it for you. You can rest now. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.